the future of photography. Hey everybody, this is the future of photography, or well it will be in a minute. Anyway, uh, my name is Adrian and I have just sadly just two of my co-hosts with me this week. Uh, first of all, Jeremiah, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, bandwidth constrained as I am. Uh, excuse the breaking up if any uh, jagged, jagged audio uh, propels from my mouth, but uh, doing okay. Yes, that's a, this is the price to pay, I hear, for living in a creative community. Everybody wants their share of the bandwidth. Is that right? Day, day 56. <laughs> oh, you but artistic types. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and I think I can hear with a little chuckle there in the background, our good friend Chris. How you doing, mate? You right? I'm doing good, and the bandwidth is good as well, so... No complaints. Yeah, yeah. Out, out there in the countryside, you seem to have the internet all to yourself, do you? I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not too many other people who use that much. So I, I think I get the main trunk for myself. <laughs> okay, well, that's good to know. Good to know. So just the three of us today, as I said, and uh, I, I have a little challenge for us, actually. This is going to be a challenge that, that runs over four shows, although they may not be four in a row. Um, because I was reading the internet the other day, as one does, um, and I came across something that I thought really, t- anyway, really tickled me for one thing. I thought that's really interesting, and I wonder what, you know, how how real it is. Um, and it's called it's, a, it's something called the Idle Cam, and that's not idle as in bone idle. <laughs> That's that's idle as in right up there on a pedestal, you know, um, or, or or a fake god, I suppose, is another meaning of the word idle, isn't it? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I read about this, uh, give, give credits where it's due. I read this on a, a website called uh, Minimalism uh, Photography Magazine, link in the show notes. Um, but actually what they were doing it's is a they very were very thin magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very good. Only two pages. <laughs> and uh they were reporting on something that was a kickstarter that was actually a kickstarter in 2018 but has now started shipping apparently. oh it's an actual product uh, now okay uh, that that's what the article says yes uh so the the idle cam is a camera uh where the form factor of the camera has been specifically designed for vlogging so it's a very niche use case. It's a bit of a blocky camera body, but it's got a totally flip up screen so you can see yourself. And the, the lens mechanism is on a gimbal that is built into the camera body. And the le- and around the lens mechanism is a little ring light to light you up nicely. So this is a, this is something that really is only going to be functional if you are happy to 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 be vlogging to be looking into the lens so uh that that got me thinking um uh the uh, a link to the uh the kickstarter actually will be in the show notes as well and uh it was um it was very successful they had asked for pledges of fifty thousand dollars and they received a hundred and forty five thousand dollars so that's that's nearly nearly three hundred percent funded um so this is um yeah an, an interesting thing now um i don't do vlogging and i don't think any of the three of us do do we no at least not regularly no, no. so so the thing that i came, the the thing that it got me thinking about actually was not do i want a vlogging camera because to be honest i don't <laughs> but what have i what would i have that was that f- for me that would be a really good niche 
use case camera a design for me that would make sense for me um and uh you know that that's why this is going to be one show out of four because uh there are four of us on the team and we're all going to get to have a go at this and to be honest i i I, I'm glad in some ways that I'm going first because, you know, my ideas are at least sort of semi-independent. I mean, there's no such thing as a new idea, is there, obviously, but I'm sort of semi-independent. and uh, But I am definitely looking forward to hearing what everybody else comes up with over the next few weeks. So we all, we, each of us get their own episodes around this topic. Oh yeah, yeah, good. absolutely. This is this this is going to be good fun. I'm really looking forward to it because I've actually had quite good fun uh, working up my uh, my design, pseudo design, whatever you want to call it, feature list maybe, and uh, and it's uh, it's a bit different from a show we did possibly almost a year ago now uh which was about you know completely way out there if you could have the world what kind of camera would you have um this one is i think there's there's just a little bit more control and constraint on this one that it has to be roughly achievable with today's technology <laughs> market economics notwithstanding because i think something as niche as we're going to describe probably it doesn't have a viable marketplace at volume but we'll, but that's okay we're just we're just having fun here so um Everybody understand the rules, sure. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I have just a just a sidebar question in terms of how these cameras get get built, get designed, and get manufactured. Um, do you do you know like uh, who would build a prototype and how that moves into the you know the the kind of dynamics of actually manufacturing it. Because that oh, would temper I mean, it, some of our ideas, wouldn't it? it? It it may well do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The uh, I, I guess a lot of the prototyping these days for this kind of stuff is is crowdfunded in some way. Um, at least the stuff that we get to see, because I guess the big companies don't really show off their prototypes very much, do they? Um, uh, and and yeah, from the kickstarters that I've read over the years a lot of them are you know start started by engineers um and you know it's the it's the engineering skill that goes into it that is really going to make the difference between uh whether or not you get a viable prototype that actually works or not um but clearly you need a lot of actual real world skills um in in quite significant proportions i think <laughs> which is sure a very long counts me out i'm saying no i have absolutely no idea how you build one of these things <laughs> yeah it sounds like i'm real world out. real world products are hard i'm not sure um if i've mentioned recently uh, a chap i know called uh, ethan moses uh, who lives in i believe in albuquerque um, but he is the he is the brains and the manufacturing behind a company called camera dactyl uh, which makes 3d printed products especially uh, especially camera type products um he's very busy at the moment because he is, he is manufacturing parts for ventilators um but the but he he does it all himself and he has a brain the size of a planet he really does he's an awesome awesomely clever guy and also absurdly practical as well it's um often quite um quite uh quite uh awesome or no not not awesome humbling i think is the word when I, whenever i chat with ethan <laughs> i don't have those skills anyway what i do have the skills to do is to imagine a, a niche use case camera right so it's, it's which i will now describe happy to take questions and ideas especially ideas to improve my design as we go through okay 
Okay, right. So my niche use case um, is shooting high and low handheld pretty much um so imagine this would be great for uh street photography perhaps or for uh travel photography or just simply if you want to take an unusual snapshot or a portrait of somebody candid you know uh, but you want a, a little bit of a different angle and i've been thinking this is something that i do um i think i do reasonably often and um Whilst I've gotten used to the ergonomics of my cameras, um, it never feels particularly satisfactory. So uh, that's my chosen topic um, is high and low shooting. And how can I design a camera that would help? Um, and I have to say my, my, my thought experiment here is is absolutely uh, influenced by an existing camera, a camera called the Canon XC15, which is a video camera, actually. Um, I don't know if either of you are aware of it or have had a chance to play with it at all. Which one? Oh, I didn't know, know about it. Which one, one was the, it again? One of the, oh, the, oh, ca- oh, the Canon yes, yes. XC15, yeah. So the, the, the thing that the, I've picked, the design uh, element that I've picked from this camera is that actually the grip and then the, the rest of the body are fully articulated. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's, no, sorry, fully rotational. So you can you can hold the grip in one hand and however it feels comfortable for you and you can completely rotate the rest of the of the camera body. And you've got you know, on your grip, you've got a lot of the controls that you would use for shooting. Uh, maybe not all the settings controls, maybe not all the playback controls, but certainly a lot of the shooting controls. Um, and uh, you can move the, the, the body around. So if you imagine if you're, you're stooping down low, what I find, especially if I'm having to shoot at or if I'm wanting to shoot at ground level, you get that that sort of ground level effect. Um, I have to then completely change the way I hold my camera. Um, I have to put sort of both hands under the bottom of it and hold it steady and use my thumb on the shutter button instead of a finger. Uh, and yeah, I have a, a, a flippy screen on my camera so I can see, I can compose okay. Um, but the ergonomics are not great. So it'd be great if I could just sort of spin uh, the main body of my camera through 90 degrees, retain a really good single-handed hold on it and have access to all the buttons in, in the normal way. And yeah, I might use my second hand, of course, uh, to uh, steady the camera rather than having to, to faff around and try and find a, a stable grip. Um, I'd still like a flappy screen because you don't always want the screen to be facing in the same direction as the lens, do you? Um, you know, you, you actually want to be able to move the screen around to see. And, and particularly personally, I, I don't like a fully articulated screen. I like one that just tilts upwards and downwards. Um, I'm not the sort of person, as I said, that does vlogging. I, I don't feel the need to f- to pull the, the the screen out, face it the other way, so that I can take selfies or anything like that. Um, so that's that's one design element, um, uh, and I think that's really really crucial. And I, for the life of me, I can't think why this design, which has been on the market for about three or four years at this point, maybe four years, I can't for the life of me think why it hasn't taken off. Would you guys find that sort of thing useful? Um. Do you know about, you know, Steadicam, obviously, right? Um, yes, yes. St- Steadicam has a, a, uh, an add-on, which is a long pole, right? It looks like a broom, basically. Mm-hmm. Camera will fit either on the top or on the bottom, uh, flippable. Uh, the screen is on the opposite side of where the camera is and some off-on um, controls there. And um, it really is is more about a device for holding the camera at 
you know, street level or high, balanced, uh, obviously stable. Um, but it doesn't really require the camera itself to be or shift its ergonomics, because it works with most cameras uh, from very heavy to very light. And so maybe part of what you're looking for is a super grip, a super way to it's move a stick. your camera. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a broom handle. What you're saying is it's like you should go out and get a stick. Is that right? Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> there were some rubber bands to stabilize and you'll you'll be good. Yeah, a, a stick and some rubber bands. Excellent. I like it. See, this is how prototypes get made, Jeremiah. You asked and you've answered your own question. <laughs> okay so all right so uh, excellent i've designed a stick brilliant or at least i've just des i've described a use case for a stick um uh, although it, uh, if um if it's anything like steadicam's other products which are you know mostly aimed i think at the professional market aren't they they're 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 incredibly sophisticated and also um reasonably expensive um but the uh yeah so i, I think just to qualify i think that's a good point i think i am preferring to to hold the camera handheld because I, I don't like to carry too much stuff around with me. Um, do you know, um, I know they're, they're less common than they used to be, but you can still find them if you look for them. There's a, there's a, a class of camcorder that is effectively a, a cylinder. Um, uh, you know, you're holding effectively the, the barrel of, of the lens and the internals and in a grip with a, with a hand strap or a wrist strap. It's, it's, it's that kind of, that kind of, uh, I don't know, tactility is possibly the wrong word that I, I, I kind of imagine for my grip on this camera, but the ability to move things uh, around so that you know, I don't have to, I can hold it in a comfortable way all the time and in a stable way all the time. But we'll see. There are some other things. I think that's that's a big fundamental sort of you know, engineering design element um, for my niche camera. But there's a few other things that I want. Um, I do want a built-in automatic ND filter. And not because I shoot a lot of video, although that it's always nice for that. Um, uh, I remember having the original Fuji X100, which had one of these in, um, and uh, although it might have been manually activated rather than automatic. Um, and it was really, really useful to have an ND filter. Because, of course, when you're going low down or high up, you don't exactly know uh, where it is that... Um, the lights are going to come in and you're going to get you know, things blown out or whether you're going to just have set some settings on your camera that are you know un untenable in some fashion so having a three or four stop nd filter in which when you get your camera up into position or down into position it just instantly kicks in and says there you go i've solved it for you you asked to shoot at f2 straight into the sun you fool um, <laughs> but i fixed it that's, that's something like that i think um uh the should, sun should would be, be more absolutely clear and everything else completely black <laughs> but, <laughs> well well maybe maybe <laughs> um i actually i i completely agree that uh built-in nd cameras on every camera would be a just a marvel um for us to have uh because um you know you you know there, there's no accounting for just do you need an ND4, an ND6, an ND10, et cetera, et cetera, at any one time, especially when you're moving about. It would be phenomenal just to have that electronically uh, accessible. On, on certainly many movie cameras there, that does exist. 
Um, yeah, and I it's think on some stills cameras now, aren't there? And there's some, um, is it Panasonic, Pos- maybe? Possible. That have got, or is it Olympus? I forget that there is, a, there is a mainstream camera brand now that is doing electronic ND filters, which are essentially variable electronic ND filters. But yeah, that, that yeah, so so yes. I mean, if if it could be if it could be done in um, uh, in software and still look good, I I would be. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a stickler particularly for how these things are achieved. Um, you know, just just that they are achieved in in in, in a in a good sensible way. So you might like my next one then, Jeremiah, because um, you know, a leaf shutter. I I always oh, prefer yeah. a leaf shutter. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. in, me, in my case for two reasons one is 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 for the flash sync speed i mean yeah the ability to synchronize a flash at at a two thousandth of a second um is is something that i like right and actually uh use not every day obviously um uh but but it is something that i use and of course they're very quiet as well you know mechanical shutter that it, it can be very quiet when it's a leaf shutter so that that's good you know it disturbs people less are you a fan of a leaf shutter jeremiah I I love leaf shutters uh, for you know flash sync and all other things. Generally, um, I don't I don't have use for it anymore. But uh, when I was a fashion photographer, it was critical. Um, thing is, um, do you want a leaf shutter because of its um, quietude, or do you want a leaf shutter because of the flash sync? Bit, bit of both really well no not a bit of both absolutely both um and uh, but i know that you there, there are many quiet shutters these days and electronic shutters and and probably we're only a couple of years away from uh you know electronic global shutters aren't we but uh and they're just know, not fast enough yet no not, not that's quite. the big problem with them yeah. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Do you like a leaf shutter? I mean, you've got lots and lots of different cameras, haven't you? So. Yeah, and and it it it, it completely depends, um, especially when I'm in a portraiture situation when I shoot pictures of people. Um, depending on what kind of a person it is, I might prefer a camera with a real hefty kalunk, right? But uh, then, for, <laughs> well, you want a Pentax six seven or something? A Pentax, an RB six seven, something like that. A, a tank <laughs> type of camera or a um, uh, whatever. So some sometimes with some people, I prefer that because um, some people need that. Then then other people are easily intimidated. Um, but I do need a sound because the sound, the shutter sound, isn't only there to 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 make sound it's there to give a signal to the person in yeah, front of the camera yeah. and uh, that's especially in portraits is important now of course if i'm in a street situation i'd rather be invisible so uh inaudible so the leaf shutter would definitely make a lot of sense there yes i, so, rarely, so I rarely use i rarely use flash in uh in uh sunny outside context where a leaf shutter would help me so flash sync isn't isn't my priority here no fair fair point fair point i although i have to say and i don't know if you've been reading ahead in my in my notes here for my design chris this next one is targeted right at you (laughs) 
Oh, I see, I see, I see. Oh, I didn't <laughs> you know what I'm talking head. about, don't you? This Twice. is my tilt shift <clears throat> correction requirement. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we all know that you're a, a, a big fan uh, of tilt shift lenses. Uh, you're really, in some cases, really your go-to stuff, isn't it? And, and you even teach tilt shift photography, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. So... For me, uh, uh, as a as a spirited amateur, um, uh, often when you you get the uh, when you get the camera down low, very down low or, or high, it's difficult to judge whether you've got it horizontal, whether you've got it, yeah, you know, uh, all the all the different ways you can balance it, you know, your 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 and your roll and your whatever the other terms are that I think mostly come from sailing rather than photography. But um, I, I'm not very good uh, at managing all of that. Um, and so actually uh, a couple of things that I'd like to see really um, is firstly in, in the, the user interface in some way, I'd like to be able to see some guidance that helps me correct for those things. So that actually I'm taking the best shot that I can take, uh, you know, which is, um, yeah. Uh, to, so to give, give the camera the best possible opportunities to, 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 to take a decent photo. Um, so that'd be nice. Uh, and uh, then secondly, I would like to see the images corrected uh, for, for, I guess more, shift than tilt to be honest i'm not um i'm i, I think yeah when you get down there if you're taking you, what you what you want is your verticals to be vertical and your horizontals to be horizontal isn't it and so uh, and to to minimize the the distortion caused by using a lens it, it essentially off its axis um so what i'd like is is something to guide me in taking a good shot making the best shot i can and then something to correct it um now i'm not sure if you could if you could build or attach a, a tilt shift lens to this sort of thing so maybe it's a maybe it's a computational correction uh for shift um well, there, what, do you, what do you reckon to that chris there are well for, for me personally it would have to be well okay so you can you can do when when you're only talking about perspective correction the, the i think the software would would, would work and with an according uh accelerometer in the camera the camera would know its orientation um that is doable there's even like an iphone app out there that can do that like you tilt the camera and the lines stay parallel so it is doable um i personally would probably prefer the mechanical way but it doesn't necessarily have to be the lens because lenses tilt or a shift lens let's leave the tilt out for now a shift lens is still bulky and bulk is maybe not ideal. But um, the thing that Pentax did in their uh, K1 is that they allow you to do shift by moving the sensor because the sensor is movable anyway for the in-body stabilization. So Ooh, I like um, that. instead of moving the lens, you move the sensor. Um, unfortunately, they, bur- they, buried, they buried it in the menu system and it was really not very usable. But if that is is brought up to the surface um, that would certainly help a lot in that respect so uh, until shift correct correction or rather shift correction absolutely that would by the way also be on my list so when my episode comes up that will definitely be on my list oh i'm i'm sorry to have preempted you chris no worries no worries i have (laughs) other things i want in there (laughs) but i was thinking this through if in preparation and i was thinking do you know what i really want this and i thought oh yeah chris might be interested in this as well but i didn't know whether you would be a must i didn't 
I didn't know whether you'd be intrigued or horrified. <laughs> no, not at all. And and really, the if the resolution is big enough, uh, the the software based correction it could even be a correction that is not really baked into the photo but it's kind of just a a piece of metadata that is saved with the photos you could switch between the corrected and the uncorrected version by just a simple click so that's a nice idea. that's what i would probably do that's that's a bit more elegant than what i had thought through because what i had thought through is that what i'd like it i'd imagined it would need to be in the jpeg engine essentially of the camera and so what i've put down is that i'd like to have the ability to do raw processing in camera after yeah, the fact doesn't... so that i could play with these settings but yes if you save it as metadata that that'd be yeah that, and that could be quite interesting. you wouldn't need much processing for the preview because um the geometric distortion is now already built into every camera chip anyway so um because they mo most cameras do do geometrical corrections in camera now to be able to save some on the on the lenses does, maybe i should buy a new camera then does any <laughs> does anybody remember the big announcement by zeiss about their their new camera which had lightroom built in zx1 is off the table mm -hmm. it's off the table it won't come has it gone has it they scrapped it they go back they're back to the drawing boards wow oh. yeah i think the q2 probably beat it to death possibly Yeah. Yes, well, I mean, you well, have a Q2, uh, do, don't you? I mean, it, it's it's a, a supposedly I, an awesome camera. I, I do, and it pound for pound, uh, best camera I've ever had. I mean, it just it's it's a dazzler. I mean, you know, every camera has its advantages and limitations, but the advantages we're talking about the Leica Q2. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's an amazing machine, and, and it feels great. And you could tailor it any way you want. Um, I don't really need in-camera processing. In fact, I, I feel it would be a distraction on a small, you know, small little screen. Um, on the on the aspect, you know, of of uh, swing tilts. Well, you know, I I I'm a big fan of swing tilts as well. I all I have is a poor little lens baby, which I oddly use on my Lumix. Um, that I had converted to IR, so it's the most bizarre, oh, interesting camera. But it, it's you know I haven't put out anything, but but it's God, you get some weird images. That's, <laughs> that's a that's a good example. That's a good example to bring up on a on an episode about niche cameras. That is <laughs> okay. Well, while we are go ahead, on, yeah. While we are on a sidetrack, right, Jeremiah, um, what kind of a lens baby is that? Um, well, I just have it here. Hold on one second. Just tell me which one it is, because they they keep changing their their setup. I, and do you know, I've been intrigued for years by lens baby lenses and never never bought one. I, um, it's kind of a big one. Uh, let's see if it has a model number. It's a Sweet Thirty Five. The Sweet Thirty Five. Oh. Okay, which is uh, on this kind of a ball joint uh, thing. Yeah, okay, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The one, yeah, the it's... one I have is an is an original one, Lens Baby Two Point Which is the one that you squeeze with your fingers. Oh yeah, and right. It's got this. <laughs> it's got this 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 uh, bellows kind of thing made from plastic, and uh, the the thing I love doing with that. I did it just a few times, but the effect is so amazing is to use it <clears throat> handheld to shoot video. 
through it. Oh yeah. And oh, adjusting, yeah. adjusting the focus while that. you walk around in it. It is just so dreamy, so amazing. I I've used that on um, on TV series for drug induced points. Oh yeah, of view. totally, totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I think I think okay. it's a bit more it's a bit more used by wedding photographers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but hey, oh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, yeah. we're we're in the realms of the niche here and the experimentation, aren't yeah. we? So yeah, that so that sounds good. That's, uh, I like the idea of that. I mean, if you know, in terms of uh, I know the the lens babies, they go for a particular look as well don't they um but it, it you know the the i've always been intrigued as well by the what it's a bit of a grand term but the user interface of a lens baby which is is very different to any other type of lens isn't it it's it's very much more about you know feel and mo- and, and physically moving elements around than it is you know about sort of just setting apertures and stuff like that so it's, uh, it's, it could, could could go well into this niche case thing, right? I'm going to end with one last thing, um, and which is much more of a mechanical thing, um, because as you look up and as you look down, often it's difficult to see your viewfinder. It's difficult to see your screen, um, and so what I'd like quite like over my my screen is a little foldable cover, you know, like a, an old fashioned waist level finder cover, mm-hmm. you know, off a TLR or a, a, any other kind of medium format uh, camera, I guess. Just just something that folds flat and then it pops up and it provides a little bit of shade so that you can see what you're doing and the sun isn't shining on your screen and stuff like that that's just a nice little i think i'm pretty much near near the end of my list now I don't know. <laughs> that's just, just a nice to have maybe i'm hearing some camera shutter is that the cute no, that's me that's me very good ears there <laughs> I just couldn't resist taking a a snap of my desk with this lens baby there you go <laughs> ah, there we go this is this in infrared <laughs> I'll post it later. <laughs> this isn't just a podcast about photography. It's of photography as well. Yeah. It, it's like okay. A, a photography so, podcast where you listen to the sound of camera. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So uh, given that a third of today's team is rapidly losing concentration, I guess we should go to the picks of the week, should we? <laughs> and, I, and I'll start here. And uh, it may be no, um, it may be no surprise uh, that my, Pick of the week is actually the camera that not not the camera that inspired the the content of the show, but actually the camera that was influencing my own design, which is the the Canon XC fifteen. Um, so there's a link to the show notes in there for for anybody that'd be interested in seeing just just how how different how the same, but also how different the uh, the form factor for this camera is. So that's my pick of the week. Uh, Jeremiah, how about you? Well, um, I've I've selected two. One is kind of a hint of where I will go with my personal kind of camera here, and it is a Solo Shot Three. Um, it's a robotic cameraman, um, so it's it's one of those. There's several available, but you can you can set it to track, and you can set it uh, to um, time lapse. However, in in this world of um, when we finally get back to making, you know, film again, or even working commercially with a relatively small crew uh, shooting, um, robot cameramen may be um, the thing of the future, since it may, you know, create an opportunity for us to stay distanced <laughs> from, that's, that's from interesting. the team. But 
And and of course, talking about what what kind of attributes would you want a robot cameraman to have? Would you want AI to determine, you know, the um, four thirds or you know two thirds compositional? You know, would you want it to be center punched? Could you blend it? Um, how would you, could you adapt it to uh, glasses, you know, AR glasses that allowed you to kind of move freely and, you know, still see your composition? There's a lot of interesting things when you talk about um, AI robots and camera. And yeah. my other, my other is, is um, something that I, I hope will inspire yet another one of these uh, conversations, which is more about the post-production, um, you know, aspects of what we do. And it's the Loop Deck creative tool. And I, I think I've mentioned this before, but it's a small footprint editing console that is totally programmable. And I just brought that up as an example of like, what kind of post-production hardware software would we all want um, that's missing from today's uh, universe? That's interesting to think of the post side as well. I know Loop, Loop Deck have been through several iterations now, haven't they? So there's, it's getting to become quite a mature product, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had the first the, the solo one here to test. So yeah, so that, do I. That I was that was a while ago. I haven't seen the new, the the later one. So um, um, I actually will try to get my hands on one. Yeah. Yeah, this, the solo shop looks interesting, Jeremiah. Yeah. Um, have you, do yeah. you, um, you, you may not have seen, um, given where you live, uh, in the last few years, the BBC News, uh, television news. Um, some, some years back, the BBC had to move out of London. Um, they moved up to a place called Salford in Manchester. And uh, they had to build entirely new state-of-the-art studios. And if you look at the news now, they do an establishing shot uh, at the beginning of the, the evening news programme. And all the cameras are, there'd be four, five, six cameras in the studio. And they're all moving automatically and, in, uh, and independently. No, no, no camera operators at all. Um, now clearly there's there's a control room and and things like that so i don't know exactly how automated it is but um you know there's there's quite a lot of automation of, of camera movement going on these days i guess isn't there yeah i mean we we've used you know on film sets we certainly have used um kind of motion control and robotic uh, movements they're quite expensive to achieve um but the simplicity of being able to program a camera move or or reposition um from afar i think is is something that will become more and more interesting to us as we settle into the new uh culture of isolation. do you do you think we'll be uh, relying more on ai for automatic following and framing or i think so or do or do you I think, think we, we will still need the camera person to do the framing for I us. think you'll need the ca the camera person to program. <laughs> the, yeah, there might be a shift in that. Yes, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as so I, it'll just be a different. Like when I began in film, talking about film rather than photography. But um, when I began, you know, you had a focus puller uh, who was, you know, right at the lens. Yep. Um, the good ones would judge the distance by eye. They would be measuring and they would follow the focus instinctively. As we move towards screens, now the um, the follow focus um, 
is done, you know, basically with a head buried in a screen. And um, soon I've been seeing more and more of automatic, like drones have, where, you know, you can just basically go, that's the person you want to follow. Of course, following focus from a 28 millimeter lens, uh, as opposed to a 90 or a 150 or a 300 uh, is very, very different, especially when you're dealing with actors who are working instinctively and moving out of the plane. Um, you know, we face that with photography as well. Um, it would be good to be able to program uh, what you want to see in a picture and make it independent of the kind of lens you're using and have it be sharp or not. I think that would be interesting. Good. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. So, more well, uh, Chris, Chris, what's your pick? <clears throat> I'm, uh, I've uh, just recently seen the announcement by Canon about their new US R5, which is, um, uh, well, follows in the footsteps of their mirrorless full frame cameras. Um, but more targeted towards, well, it's a question who, who it is targeted towards but um seems they have solved some internal problems in their processor department because they have a feature set coming up and i know this is about photography uh gear won't make you a better photographer but gear can be so fun to talk about so this, <laughs> yeah, absolutely and, yeah. and, uh, for us guys yeah and jeremiah yeah. if you haven't seen that announcement um this thing does 8k 30p raw video recording oh my god really and, and, and it uses the entire impressive. sensor for it. It uses the entire sensor for it. It does 4K 120p uh, with like all the bells and whistles you would want in 422, 10-bit wow. C-log. Um, it does uh, HDMI out in 4K 60p. It's no crop, so does it's it the do, full sensor. Does it do 444? No, it does 422. But okay. I think we're... I mean, there's no price point announced, but um, I would guess it would be in the $5,000 range. So it yeah. uh, blows stuff like the Sony Venice out of the water in terms of resolution and F, uh, oh, frames per second. And that, that is a camera that's more in the $40,000 range. So we are really looking at a, something that possibly could be a bit of a game changer for some people. Yeah, yeah. I, think, uh, I think this will directly compete with RED, especially on the yes. price point. Yes. Um, so again, this was just my guess. The price point was my guess, but oh, and uh, in in body image stabilization, oh, which is a first for Canon. So yeah, uh, they have they are really kind of um, <laughs> this is you know. Do you remember when the five D Mark II came out? The first sure. uh, full frame yeah. video shooting DSLR, and as yeah, limited as one. it was, it changed the game. Uh, this kind of looks like it's probably going to pull that off again. So. Uh, I don't need a new camera. I wish I had a need for it. Uh, I, wish, <laughs> I wish I wish I had the funds to just go and get one. <sighs> well, what, uh, well, Chris, once once travel bounces back, dot, once dot, travel dot. bounces back, <laughs> yes. Oh, one indeed, can dream. Yeah. Well, that, there we go. Something to aspire, something to aspire to, and it just goes to show that no matter what, I, uh, the, it's it's an interesting thing that. Uh, uh, actually, uh, that's a camera that looks to me. It's an interesting thing, but that's a camera that looks exactly like pretty much any other SLR type camera. Um, uh, it's really uh, boring looking. Yes, 
um, and, and it's interesting that that comes up and that's where all the technology is going and in the context of actually us discussing things today like usability and uh, use cases and, and stuff like that so I'd be interesting to answer your question at some point Chris who is exactly is this targeted at but that's probably about us done for today then is it um I think that's like uh, yes. unless either of you have any either of you have anything else to add to the conversation. Of course, no. I'm I'm internally I'm already preparing for my own episode with my own bespoke camera. So has this conversation inspired you, Chris? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course <laughs> well, that's is. good. I I am very glad about that. That is a good thing. Excellent. Well, well, thank you very thank you both. Um, it's been good to to talk through some of my ideas from you uh, with you, sorry, and get from you uh, uh, so some ideas back uh, to 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 mould into it. Um, I, I'm not planning to launch a Kickstarter of my own at this point. I, I feel that <laughs> broomstick the, uh, is what's like. Yes, the, yeah, I feel that. Yes, I should probably twenty five cents in this broomstick. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Um, I think I, I have been preempted by the invention of the broomstick. <laughs> hmm. uh, but there you go. That, that was my that, that was my little fun experiment. And I've, I've really enjoyed putting that together and thinking it through. I, I look forward to buying my specific camera one day. Um, right. Well, there you go. We have been uh, the future of photography. And uh, you can get in touch with us uh, uh, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, simply just uh, get in touch with us at TFOP now, uh, T F O P N O W, uh, or for, through our website, which is thefutureofphotography.com, which also has the added advantage of having the whole of the TFOP backlog. And given that this is now show 128, um, there'll be something to fill the time in if you've got a little bit of time on your hands. <laughs> Anyway, uh, as ever, um, it's been an honour and a privilege to talk with you all. Uh, We'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 